Behind every success story, there is a long line of triumphs and defeats that remain hidden from others. These stories get condensed into journeys that minimize the struggle and wrap up with a happy ending. But we know that's not how life works. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about the challenges that Mark's guest faced and how they overcame adversity. Now, here is your host, Mark Azoulay. Welcome to From the Ashes. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay. I'm sitting here with Christina Dixon. Christina, we met at AGPA, at the American Group Psychotherapy Association. Yes. I think you were involved in some of the marketing stuff that I was doing. And uh, here you are doing some marketing. I know. Sharing. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> right. You're making it happen. You're going to become super famous during this podcast. Uh, you're here to tell your story about um, invisible chronic illness, which I think mm-hmm. is really important story to be told and a story that doesn't get a lot of airtime, I think. Um, it's something that a lot of people don't know. They can't really pick up when they look at you or look at people. And people carry this in secret um, most of their life. So can you give us a little intro to that and tell us a little bit about your From the Ashes story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mine is a little bit of an invisible and visible kind of chronic illness. So um, shortly after I was born, there was a a rash that my family kind of found on my body and we weren't exactly sure what was contributing to it and causing it. So of course, went to the doctor and um, was, I think at that point in time, just probably speculation of, hey, this is probably psoriasis. And psoriasis is a skin condition. It's an autoimmune condition that again, causes this kind of red scaly rash. And um, what I was told later from a lot of people is it looks a little bit like um, poison ivy. So when I was young, I just had very small spots on my body and it was something that I could cover. So nobody really um, knew about it as I was going about and meeting friends and all that. And what happens with this condition often is that there are times where we get, um, for lack of a better way of saying it, like injured, and it spreads. So it, it takes, it's an opportune uh, time for it to um, show up in different parts of our body. So I think it was about fifth or sixth grade that I was running home from a friend's house, tripped on the sidewalk, scraped my knee, no big deal. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, came home, we doctored it up. And then after a while, it just wasn't healing right. And we were just kind of confused of like, why isn't this scab just looking normal and, and kind of going through the process of healing? back to the doctor. And at that point in time, they said, yeah, this is actually the psoriasis um, taking this opportune time to, um, to expand. Oh, and that's when we learned that any kind of injury, whether it's um, like a scraper cut, whether it's kind of surgery, a piercing, a tattoo, those are opportunities for the psoriasis to show up in different places. And I don't know what exactly was happening for me at that point in time, but it just seemed like it exploded So it went from this scrape on my knee to most, um, like, I'd say most of my legs and most of my arms were covered with spots of psoriasis. And then I got it like in my scalp and, you know, sometimes it would show up in places like my ears and um, it's kind of itchy. So it would be a nuisance, essentially. It's not only something that didn't look attractive, in my opinion, but it was something that um, was uncomfortable at times. And so I'm in elementary school. Kids are not always gentle. 
And, um, you know, I'm trying to explain to people what's happening. And I get these kind of comments from, you know, kids, whether they know me or not, of like, ew, what's on your leg? What's Mm -hmm. happening? Mm -hmm. And I'm a kid. I don't have a lot of language for this. Um, We were in, you know, growing up in a time where we didn't have commercials that were talking about medications and conditions. And so it wasn't um, commonplace in our language. And so my parents were trying to help me be able to explain to peers what was happening. And the explanation I got is, you know, an autoimmune condition essentially is something that um, your body, let me rephrase that, your body's immune system responds to things that are essentially like uh, foreign invaders. So if we get the flu or if we're encountering like pollen in the air, our immune system reacts and tries to fight it off. An autoimmune condition is essentially where your body gets confused and thinks that something that's supposed to belong there, like your skin or something else, it thinks that's a foreign invader. So your body is reacting and trying to get rid of, in my case, my skin in these certain spots. And the way as a kid that I understood that was that my body is fighting against me. And why would you fight against something unless you didn't like it? So when I was telling kids, you know, hey, I've got this thing, it's an autoimmune condition, people would say, well, what's autoimmune? Oh, it means my body hates me. Hmm. That was just this easy explanation for me of my body is fighting itself. It doesn't like it. Clearly, there's, you know, this dislike, this intense hatred going on. And I didn't realize until much later, but that really formed, I think, my relationship with my body, myself, and a, a big distinction of my like essence is different than my body. We are in contrast. We're not getting along. We're not unified. We're not one. And there is a lot of distance, I think, a lot of observation within me of what is happening within my body, being really mindful, um, attu- like hyper-attuned to is my body okay today? You know, is my reaction all right? Um, psoriasis specifically in a lot of autoimmune conditions can be worsened by stress. So it was as clear sometimes as if I was having a stressful day at school, my psoriasis spots were bright red. If I was chill, they were a calmer color. And so it was very, you know, directly related to this othering of, you know, if my body is having this reaction and I am seeing it separate and different and bad. And so this all started, like I said, around fifth or sixth grade. And then we go into the dreaded junior high school gym class (laughs) where I don't know why that seems like it's a traumatic experience for so many people, but you've got this, you know, changing in a gym locker room, putting on shorts at times of year that you might not otherwise wear it. And that was really hard for me. It was, you know, it's not, it feels a little privileged, I think, kind of saying these things in the sense that it's not a big trauma that some other people might experience, but it was certainly very powerful as, again, a junior high school kid um, having to explain over and over on days that I might otherwise wear something that would cover it, that now I'm in this gym class and people are staring, people are asking, people are, again, reacting as though I have something that's infectious that they want to be away from. So that was a challenge to try to um, navigate that and was able to get on some medications that um, helped a lot. But then we moved, we got new doctors, doctors didn't exactly agree with the treatment plan. And so we were 
kind of starting um, from scratch with some other medications that weren't working as well. And so the flares were kind of coming up again and um, the spots were showing up and more people were asking questions. And I I look back, I find it kind of startling um, that this was normal, but I remember at one point in time, the medications weren't working as well as the doctors thought. We were having just creams that we were putting on my skin when it was acting up. And the theory then was, well, these creams should be working and we don't know why they're not. So um, maybe the, the explanation is that you're putting it on before bed, you're getting it onto your pajamas or onto the bed sheets, and the, the cream is actually just kind of wiping itself off on other items. And so we want to make sure that it actually stays on the skin and is treating it for a longer period of time. So the doctor recommended that we wrap my skin in saran wrap. Really? Saran wrap? That was the solution? That was the solution, which amazes me now looking back at it. of like, (laughs) why did that ever come up? And why did we think it was a good idea? It can't be good for you, right? Like, how does your skin breathe or sweat or any of that? Right. So every night I, you know, get help. I'd put on the cream and then I get help wrapping my limbs in saran wrap. And then exactly like you said, the skin wasn't breathing. I was finding in the middle of the night, unconsciously, I was taking it off. Um, My parents shared with me later that the house was like 50 degrees at night because I was so hot and I was always complaining of, you know, I can't get cool or whatnot, that they were jacking the air up to try to make me comfortable. And they were under like 50 blankets trying to navigate through the night. But we, we did a lot. I mean, my, you know, essentially the family was on board of like, what can we do to try to make this easier for me? Um, and a lot of times it was a, a challenge. So after the saran wrap incidents and things like that, we, um, there was another treatment that was recommended that was a light treatment, which is along the lines, it's different, but kind of similar to um, going and getting a, an artificial tan. And so I was doing that. And I remember again in high school that uh, peers were making fun of me because it was winter months when most people were losing their tan and I was getting more tan inadvertently because of this medical treatment. So there was this, you know, kind of attack of you're so vain and why are you tanning in the middle of the winter and nobody else is doing this. And I was having troubles kind of sharing why I was doing this. You know, I didn't want to go through this whole, it's a medical thing and I have an autoimmune condition and I have psoriasis and all that. So, um, just really felt othered, separate, different than. And like I mentioned, we didn't have the language at the time. We didn't have these commercials that were frequently on talking about these things. I've seen now a commercial with um, Cindy Lauper talking about she has psoriasis and, um, you know, she's on this certain medicine. And I thought, damn, that would have been very helpful as a kid in the 80s to be able to say, I have the same thing that Cindy Lauper does. Leave me alone. Um, But we didn't have that kind of conversation. So I was able to get the psoriasis basically under control. Um, Minimal didn't really impact me too terribly much. It was something that I was, as an adult, maybe a little bit more comfortable um, addressing or covering up. And then uh, in my early 30s, there's another condition that goes along with psoriasis called psoriatic arthritis, And it's a type of arthritis that people can experience. So I started having a bit of joint issues and got recommended to go to a rheumatologist, found out I have arthritis. And that was 
a challenge in my 30s to say, okay, you know, in my mind, this is something that older people deal with. And it feels like my body's breaking down. My body is not serving me well. I'm a young person. In my mind, I should be able to do certain things. I should be able to run a marathon or, you know, not that I like running, but I want to be able to do it if I could. And now I'm thinking my joints are failing me. I'm going to be kind of crippled in my mind uh, at a very young age. And um, a a lot also with chronic um, autoimmune conditions is there's fatigue and didn't really appreciate how my energy levels are different than somebody else's. I need a little bit more recovery time. I need to take it easier on, you know, just activities sometimes. And it's not predictable when one day I just might have troubles getting going and other days are fine. So this, again, kind of struggle and fight of my body's letting me down. It's not doing what I want it to. I see other people doing things that I would like to be doing and that I can't or feel like I can't. I'm getting picked on or um, seen as different, seen as contagious, whatever it might be. So have this little meltdown in my 30s about the arthritis. And then a few years later, I find myself really sick and unclear what's happening. I just started my business And I was um, stressed, for lack of a better word, like I'm starting my private practice in um, therapy and trying to build this, really worried about income and and clients. And then like four um, months or so later, I find myself with a fever. Um, I find myself having a lot of diarrhea, having to go to the bathroom frequently, and um, that I just am not feeling well at all. And I go to the doctor, we think maybe flu, and we can't figure out what's happening. The doctor's doing all these different kinds of tests. Nothing is coming up positive. We have no clear information as to what's causing this, but I'm struggling and I'm really having a hard time and getting scared at this point. And what finally happened, I was at my wit's end and um, was talking to the doctor and I finally just said, you know, I have a 15 pound cat that often sits on my stomach. And it doesn't usually bother me. And now he's stepping on my stomach and it's painful. And so we were able to get some tests, find out. uh, He called me right afterwards and said, go immediately to the hospital. You have colitis. We need to figure out what's happening. And I didn't know what colitis meant. Fortunately, um, I had a family member visiting me. And so he was driving me to the hospital while I'm Googling colitis to figure out what is it that I'm dealing with. And um, we were able at that point in time to get a diagnosis called ulcerative colitis which is another autoimmune condition, um, which causes um, a lot of distress. Um, The commercials that you'll see now are the ones that people are are basically saying, where's the nearest bathroom? I feel like I can't do things because I have to know where the the bathrooms are. I can't leave my house. And that's now what I'm having to live with. So it was another feeling like an insult of here's my body screwing me and um, taking over and preventing me from being able to do what I want, live the life that I want, and have some ease while I'm doing it. Yeah, these things just keep stacking one on top of each other. Are they connected? Like, they are, are they, yes. Yeah. So it's, it's common um, with autoimmune conditions to have a few, and these certainly are all connected with each other. That, that it's um, not everybody has all of them, but maybe 20, 30% have that combination. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those lucky people yeah that's brutal of just having to 
Yeah, I'm mean, having just to manage that all the time, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And having one thing, after just, it sounds like just when you're getting a handle on one, figuring out what works, there's something new that pops up. Right. That was my experience, yeah, is that I couldn't quite get my feet under me before I found out something else that felt like it was just a new challenge to learn and um, it brought up feelings of anger and frustration and, um, you know, a, a sense of, I want to go into this, like, woe is me, things are horrible. And also, like, I don't want to let this take over. I know, I want to hear a lot more about that. We're moving into our commercial break mm-hmm. now, but when we get back, I want to hear about what the mental and emotional struggle was like, right? The idea of your body hating you, the idea of how do you deal with these limitations that seem to just stack on top of each other? I mean, what meaning you're making and how you're living with it today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do it. So head into our commercial break. Uh, for those listening, uh, stay tuned and you'll hear more of Christina's story on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.teachable.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to From the Ashes. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay. And we just heard, what do I use? Harrowing, I think a harrowing tale of just stacking autoimmune disorder on top of each other. And I cannot imagine what it would be like to go through that. You were saying, Christina, how you just have, or just getting a handle on something, whether it be psoriasis or the arthritis or the colitis. And then there's a whole new issue that 
jumps on top. Mm-hmm. Um, and what really stood out about your story is actually, you know, the title of this episode, which is My Body Hates Me, of this idea of how you are making sense of it and your relationship with your body as you're going through this. Uh, can you say a little bit more about that for our listeners? Yeah, and I think you're exactly right. That's the challenge with chronic illness is that there are some days that are better and some days that are worse. And then you have stretches that are good or bad. I don't love those words, but that's, you know, how I often look at it. And so, um, for instance, with the colitis, I was actually in remission for a number of years feeling like, oh, this is no big deal. Like, I see these commercials, they're over-exaggerating, whatever. And then this past December, it hit me and I had another incident and flare And truth be told, I've been dealing with it for eight, nine months now and still kind of in the midst of it. So there have been really, really uh, difficult parts where it was, I felt like my, I was doing everything I could basically to just function, to just kind of stay alive, to keep food on my stomach and to be able to eat. Because with the colitis specifically, um, you you can lose your appetite. Mm -hmm. But then there's also because your stomach is just so unsettled and it feels like food is not really sitting. Um, For me, and I think for a lot of people, there's an anxiety. I don't want to eat because I know what happens when I eat and I don't feel well. And so I'm being very strategic of, um, you know, the meals that I have, what kind of events do I have going on where if I have anything I actually need to show up and I can't excuse myself to go to the bathroom, then I'm just not going to eat beforehand because it felt like a risk. So um, it, it is a lot of ups and downs and a lot of, like I said, that fatigue that's showing up. Um, for me, I had, like I said, this very separate, very um, adversarial relationship where my spirit, it felt like, was different than my body. We were in contrast. Uh, recently, I've kind of looked at it like we were in a really bad marriage where um, it was like almost an arranged marriage and we don't like each other. We can't be in the same room with each other but we're stuck. We cannot have separate lives. And I was fortunate at one point in time to take a training that was actually um, a yoga training for mental health professionals. And it was something that I did for the idea of, oh, this will be valuable for my clients. And I showed up and learned a hell of a lot about myself and um, was very fortunate to be able to do it. But that was the first place that it really struck me that I am in this bad relationship with my body. I can have a different kind of relationship. I know frequently people talk about, you know, like celebrate what your body can do. And there are times that that is accessible. But again, when it feels like my body is just letting me down everywhere I turn and not doing some of the basic functions, it's really hard to say, thank you, body. I'm grateful that you're showing up for me today when it feels like you're not showing up for me. Right. It's kind of like patronizing, right? It's like, well, mm-hmm. at least I'm happy I can breathe. And it's like, right. right. It's like, I'd like to go outside, right? Or I'd like to go on a hike or go run or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I'd like to go on a hike or have a lunch with a friend and feel like I can show up and be present and do that. And yeah, it was, it did feel uh, very patronizing of, Um, let me be grateful that I can do these real basic things when, again, I'm a young person and I feel like there's more available to me. So it has been uh, quite a struggle in trying to build something um, kind, appreciative, loving, and just rewiring that talk within myself. Because like I said, it was, you know, at a very young age that I had this idea that my body hated me it's taking a lot to rework that, to be able to use different language, to um, just 
approach things with a different mindset and try to um, rebuild this relationship. Again, it's, it's sort of like I'm envisioning going to couples counseling with my body and trying to say, how can we figure out something that works? How can we communicate with each other? How can we um, live together and make this uh, healthy and, and loving relationship? Yeah, you know, that's really awesome. I'd love to hear more about that yoga class. It makes me think, you know, I, I did a yoga journey when I was in college and, you know, I, I don't have the same autoimmune situation that you do, but I was, you know, really overweight. I was like sedentary, played a lot of video games, like just like really took shit, you know, ate garbage food, like really took bad care of my body. And I remember, and I, I didn't even feel it or like I, I just, I didn't think I mm-hmm. felt my body, but getting into yoga, I remember, you know, stretching and then laid down the line meditating and being like, oh my God, my body is like full of pain. Like this just hurts, right? Like just basic movements just hurt. You know, everything was all crump, crumply and like crackly and like I had no flexibility, no mobility and something that I still work with today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was surprised that the the first and, and upset that the first sensation I had was was pain, right? And stiffness mm-hmm. and, and toughness. So I was curious when you did tap into the actual physical sensations, like what did you find in there? I think I've been very aware of the physical sensations because okay. again, there was this, this sort of um, hypersensitivity of I've got to know when these things are acting up and just be prepared, if not being able to get a little bit ahead of it. But even in that, there was this, like I've said, a separation. So it was this other kind of thing versus a me experiencing it. And for, for me in that yoga experience, I think it was this attempt to integrate of it's not this separate thing. It's not this thing that I'm watching necessarily, but it is where I'm spending my time. You know, like my essence, my spirit is in this body and we're not going to be able to be separated. And it actually, it probably doesn't serve me well to think of it as two different things. How can we join together? How can we be together? And one of the things also in the sort of yoga approach that I find really valuable is this reinforcement and recognition of one side may be different than the other. So if I can do a stretch in a certain way on my left side, doesn't mean that I can do it on my right side. And that one day is going to look different than the other. So because I could do a certain move and feel um, confident in it yesterday, doesn't mean that it's accessible to me today. And that's been something that I've really tried to carry with me of this almost fluidity that one day is going to look different. So yesterday I might've been really tired and just struggling to feel energized or feel really um, just not, you know, like clear headed. And then today I might wake up and pop out of bed and, you know, have no problems and having that fluidity be just a part of me that it doesn't mean it's good or bad. Like I said before, that that judgment I think was very present and trying to get rid of some of that language and just recognize today's different. Tomorrow will be different. And even though, as I've shared, I've been going through this flare since December, there is some movement in it. It doesn't look the same today as it did before. And that there are some things that um, I can still kind of hope for or work towards. And even if it's not accessible today and maybe even not next month, it will be at some point in time. I feel like this has got to be teaching you like almost like enlightened patience or something or just compassion to have this. You know, like you said, this relationship partner that can be unruly and that can be very limiting at points. 
and patience is not my strong suit. So it's a lesson. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lesson that I'm learning and that I'm frustrated that I keep having to learn. So after that yoga journey, that was um, short, maybe a year or two after I was first diagnosed with the colitis, my idea was like, cool, I've learned this. I've got it. I'm not going to be tripped up by it again. Like I've figured this part out. I've unlocked this level and I'm not going to have to go back. And this recent flare has kicked me on my ass and sent me back to the starting point again, where I'm having to relearn these lessons. There's a lot of frustration in the sense of, I thought I figured this out. And now this new iteration is showing up and I'm having to learn different parts of it or learn different lessons. And I I really don't like it. You know, I don't want to have to um, understand this patience or understand this new relationship. I, I would love for it to be a little bit easy and just, uh, like I said, figured it out, moved on, give me my next challenge. Right. Right. Yeah. To move on to the next thing and, and to not have to deal with it anymore, to have it managed. Is there any, is there any treatment for it or is there any research going into any kind of cure or any way to moderate the symptoms or is it something that's not really well understood by science? Probably both. I think okay. a lot of uh, autoimmune conditions are not well understood and there's, it's not, um, something that's always as researched, but there are a number of treatment options available. The frustrating part is that um, there's not clarity on who will be um, like impacted uh, well with the medications. It's a lot of trial and error. And some of these medications, um, the, the higher end ones that I'm on right now, there's a way that your body can build up some resistance if you've been on them over time. So they can work and then all of a sudden they stop working. And then other times they just stop working and we don't know why that, you know, this medication was effective and then all of a sudden it's not. And that was the case that um, was happening for me when I first got diagnosed, we switched to medication. I was doing really well on it for, I think, a year and a half or so. And then all of a sudden we don't know what's contributing to it, but that medication isn't working. So, um, Uh, yeah, it just stops. It just stopped. Yeah. And um, we have tried, my doctors and I, a number of things from, you know, medications to I was doing acupuncture for a while. Um, the kind of comment is, um, you know, there's some foods that are harder to digest, for instance, so try to avoid those, but there's no real clear cut. Everybody responds in this way, but you should try to avoid stress. How which, do you avoid stress? Exactly. Yeah. In the middle of a pandemic. Right. <laughs> Right. And for me, I had just moved out here shortly before all of this. So there were stressors, including, you know, trying to build a new home and um, get community in this area and all of that. So there's, there's no clear path. And I think what's really difficult, too, is that as you share this story with people, everybody has their own solution of, oh, well, have you tried this, you know, drink or have you tried this diet plan or did you try this doctor or something like that? And everybody I think is, is intending to be super helpful, but when you're in a place where it feels like you have no, um, like you're not centered and you don't have really anything that's, that's connecting you or, or it feels, um, stable to have people shooting out these ideas is really, for me at least, overwhelming. Yeah, I think it does come from a place of helping, but it makes me associate to, you know, grief too, where people are, they, they don't know what to say. Yes. You know, and I think for a situation like this, please let me know if I'm putting words in your mouth, but what I'm hearing is that like, it just sucks. Mm-hmm. 
right? Like it's just bad. It's unfortunate. It's not fair at all. And I think for most people, it's very difficult to sit with that reality. Yes. Right. Like they want to make it better. They are uncomfortable themselves. And they like, you know, if you feel better, they would feel better kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, I think it's just a common human and and very maladaptive thing. Cause yeah, it doesn't help the person who's actually suffering. It can feel patronizing or it can be like, it's like, oh, have you just tried like meditation? It's like, yes, I've had this my entire life. (laughs) I've tried almost everything. (laughs) You know? I've wrapped my body in saran wrap. What are you talking about? Right. It's not like, oh, wow, I never thought of it that way, right? It's like clearly you think about this every day of your life. It's something that you live with all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you're right. There is quite a parallel, not only from my experience with grief, but that I think other people do kind of respond in that way. We don't know what to say. It's it's unsettling. Um, You know, I've kind of heard feedback from peers of like, we, again, as younger people, don't want to think about our bodies not working in the way that we want. So I think it's unsettling when I'm sharing this or people are seeing me and my physical changes as I'm going through this. And it's bringing up things for them that they're maybe not able to identify for themselves or not be able to feel. And so there's this, let me fix it. Let me feel better. Let me give you some advice that hopefully will work. And yeah, like you said, I do take it from a place of people are intending to support me, but it doesn't always feel like support in that way. And I think that's, again, something that you know, with chronic illness, it's not um, validated in a lot of ways. It's not honored of like, oh, you could do it yesterday. Why can't you do it today? I don't understand. Or yeah, simply meditate and it'll get better. Reduce your stress. No problem. You'll feel fine. Yeah. So like there's a minimization of what mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right that, that there are days where this is much more consuming for me. And then days where I get to uh, kind of forget about it, not realize that it's happening and all, and um, move on. And I don't know that that's serving me so well to just abandon it some days and pick it up others. But that's part of, again, this, this kind of journey for me of trying to figure out how to live with this and um, have this more respectful relationship instead of this hateful relationship. Right. And I'm hearing wanting to take advantage of those days that are better. Yes. You know, and go out there and live like a more, you know, quote unquote, normal life mm-hmm. um, that you can. It's always crazy, you know, doing the show and, and I guess getting older too and being a therapist, just hearing all the different things that people struggle with mm-hmm. and how like fast it is. I mean, I associate, I have a friend who um, has MS. It's a very similar situation. Mm-hmm. And it was mind blowing for me when she was telling me and she was like, yeah, like we don't understand this from a medical perspective. Like I just, I've had the the luck and the privilege of like not having to deal with that. But when I hear you say like, yeah, like the doctors don't even know really like what this is like, that's, that's terrifying to me. That's like very scary for me to be like, nobody knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting you say that. Cause I'm like, it just, it doesn't seem scary to me because it is what it is. Like I've been living with it again for my life. And so um, I think I'm maybe more conditioned to the idea that we just don't know. Right. I know. I just, I just like knowing. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. That's, that, that's my kind of defense. Um, so as we move into our next commercial break, when we get on the other side, we're going to hear more about, you know, how to, how to support somebody that has this, um, maybe some of the work that you do with your clients, um, and, you know, if anyone out there is listening that, you know, has a chronic illness or is struggling with some kind of, you know, invisible ailment, um, what they might need to hear or what was helpful for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're listening out there, uh, stay, hang tight and I'll catch you on the other side. <laughs> 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit Mark dash azulay dot teachable dot com that's mark m-a-r-c dash azulay a-z-o-u-l-a-y dot teachable dot com have you friended us on facebook yet why not just go to facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for the keywords voice america once you are part of our facebook network you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and new happenings at the voice america talk radio network and you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline just go to facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for voice america You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay, and we're here talking about chronic illness and invisible ailments with Christina Dixon. Um, If you're out there listening, if you've been listening to this episode, you've been sticking with us, and you have something like this, or there's something that you're carrying, uh, Christina, what would you like this person to know? What do you think would be actually supportive for them if they're going through something similar? I think it's, it really starts with some of that compassion that you were talking about before is, um, and I'm not suggesting this is easy. This is something that I'm still on the journey of, but trying to have that compassion towards ourselves. Often the way that um, we treat others is more gentle, more kind, more loving than we treat ourselves. And so frequently it's helpful if I'm, you know, in one of those really challenging spots where I'm like, my body hates me and it's not doing all these things to think if my friend were talking about their body and themselves in that way, would I be on board and be like, yeah, your body's awful. You're right. This is, or would I say like, how can we, you know, um, maybe be more gentle or maybe be um, more supportive of if I'm feeling really run down today, does it make sense for me to push myself? Does it make sense for me to have this expectation of you have to do all the things that are on your list for today and even more? Or would I tell my friend, hey, you know, maybe take it easy, take a nap today, 
if you can, um, you know, maybe dip out of work a little bit early and try again on a day where you have a little bit more energy. And, you know, I think as we're talking about this too, I've, I've been thinking about, as you're saying, invisible illness, you know, I just want to acknowledge too, a lot of mental health issues uh, like depression, anxiety, and things like that are also things that other people don't always see. And we may be uh, navigating behind the scenes and they have the same kind of impact as these physical um situations that I'm talking about too. Yeah, no, I mean, I was thinking like I have high functioning depression and there are days where I'm just like out of serotonin. Mm -hmm. I just like don't have it. And I don't even know if I know how to deal with it. I mean, I am like, I still get upset about that with myself and I want to push myself further and I want to just like keep going. And, you know, the daily practice of slowing down every day has helped because I think some of that was triggered by some kind of burnout or by overcommitting and then, you know, whatever. Um, but I remember, and this is it's a privilege solution because it includes a lot of technology, but you don't need technology to do it. I have like a, a smart home setup here, right? And I have like a script that's like, you know, called like um, depression mode, right? Mm -hmm. And when I'm in depression mode, like all the lights dim, it plays like sad music, right? It asks me if I want to like order food from like a couple takeout areas, Aww. you know, like it reads off a list of like people that I can call, like all that stuff is built into this like algorithm mm -hmm. that will like remind me of the, the uh, things that I have to do mm -hmm. um, and shut it down. And that was like, you know, I, I think it helps. I mean, it was fun to set up and it's, it has helped me a couple of times, but I'm not going to, you know, I'd be lying if I said that that cures it, right? Like right. I still feel like shit and I still like have the impulse to like push everything and everybody away mm -hmm. and just like hide. And that, I don't know. I mean, that, that's hard for me to reconcile mm -hmm. because I, I think we're similar in that we want to go, go, go all the time. And it's, it's hard to just hit a wall like that, right? you know? Right. And another thing similar to what you're saying, the yoga principles that I've taken, you know, with me is this idea of sometimes just showing up is the biggest part, you know, signing up for the class or showing up on the mat, even if I spend the whole yoga class in child's pose and not actually doing anything, but that, that just kind of showing up is that um, important part. And when you're talking about your smart home setup, for me, that kind of is like, there, there's a part of that, that that's almost just simply showing up of just acknowledging today's a, a bit of a rough day. Here's the support that I need. Um, but also figuring out when to not push too hard and when not to um, really kind of put yourself in the negative energy level of I've worked so hard today that tomorrow is even more challenging. Right. And, and I think like the shame or like the whip is what, you know, I, I would call it of like, you know, get up, you're better than this. Like you're stronger today. You got to go out there. Oh, you made this plan. Like you have to make it happen. Right. Like that right. voice is harmful. Mm -hmm. Right. Like hitting it with shame, hitting something that's already wounded and then shaming it is like not a great way to deal with it. And we have so much in this country that is driven on the, like, what are you accomplishing? Um, you know, what kind of things can you show that you've done or that um, you can celebrate with somebody else? And we don't exactly appreciate the rest or the recovery. Um, I know a lot of people that I work with with chronic illness get frustrated because there's this um, sort of statement out there of like, well, if you can't do anything else today, at least make your bed. Like that's something that you can do. And that's an accomplishment. And, and people that I talk to are like, there are days where making my bed takes a lot out of me. 
it's not a priority. I've got, you know, maybe I have the energy bandwidth essentially to take a shower or to make my bed. And that's all I have in me that day. Well, who are you to tell me that I didn't accomplish, you know, like the, the minimum you should do today is just make your bed. They're like, no, that actually is a, a gentle kindness to me of like, I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to make my bed. I'm not going to spend my energy on that. I'm going to focus on something else. But I think we have this sort of idea in our country, in our society of we've got to produce, we've got to do, we've got to move, we've got to be the best. And at the minimum, make your bed, get out of bed and do the thing today. Right, right. And for some people, that's just not possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it goes back to that compassion and that gentleness of if that is one of your days, and I've had those recently, it was really um, startling for me sometimes where just the, the simple, normal morning routine that I have took so much out of me. And it, it was, it, it is, I think, easy for many of us to be like, oh, I can't believe you can't do this or you should be able to. And just to say, wow, this is, this is a tough day. You know, that my morning routine is feeling like I just went to the gym for an hour and a half and I'm exhausted and I'm going to honestly have to take a break between, you know, morning routine and commute to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask a question that is a little bit selfishly motivated. It's something that, that I'm struggling with too. Uh, and that is dating and bringing somebody else into this issue. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, like I said, when I have my depression things, my impulse is just to push everybody away and just like deal with it myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be a downer. I don't want to show that to other people. I don't want to like, you know, uh, yeah, just like burden somebody, I guess, because like I said, I mean, I'm a therapist and I'm not enlightened. Like I still don't like myself most of the time when I'm in that state. And I get to this place of like, oh, if I don't like myself, this other person definitely isn't going to like me. Mm-hmm. Right. The only reason I can be with myself is because I've always been with myself. <laughs> this person could leave me. Right. Like this person could like dump me if they if they saw this. Um, so I'm wondering for you or for the people you work with, you know, that seems like a whole next level, right? It's how do you bring someone else into something that they might not understand or they might not really know how to help you in? Yeah. And I've got that um, as you're talking about personally and professionally right. where um, I am, I have been kind of challenged in the sense of a date says, Hey, let's go hiking or let's go have lunch. And I'm like, that's not on my agenda today. You know, that's not going to happen. And I also have clients um, I'm trying to form a, a dating group, actually, specifically for people who are interested in trying to learn more about the dating process. And I think that applies in the sense of when do I disclose? How do I disclose some of these uh, medical conditions that I'm going through? And, and that, like you said, um, not wanting necessarily to burden somebody, but it's a part of you. It's, it's a part of me. It's a part of uh, people that um, feels important and authentic to share. So um, I think kind of coming from a place of um, like fact versus that self-attack, that whip that you were talking about of, I don't think it's a good look when we're on a date and we're saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm the worst because I have this thing and you don't want to date me because of my depression or because, um, you know, gosh, I'm going to look like I'm contagious and people are not going to want to be around us at a social event. Really Bell's bad sales strategy. Exactly. <laughs> and it should be bells going off yeah. in somebody's mind. Yeah. Like, hmm, I'm not sure about this partner, but if there's a way that we can, um, just kind of share the information 
um, without that attack. And again, with that gentleness of if we were um, supporting a friend who was talking about trying to share this with, um, you know, someone in their lives, how might we want them to do it in a loving, kind way? And I, I do think there are some things that um, first, second dates don't need to know that um, we want to make sure that the person we're talking to is someone that we feel comfortable with, that we feel like they're going to be respectful and not everybody needs to know every single thing about us the first time they meet us. I think that's definitely true. I've, I've been guilty of oversharing and I've been definitely guilty of hearing oversharing mm-hmm. and then backing out of a date or being like, mm, I don't want to really see you again. Cause it can feel really overwhelming Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden get all this and to be like, oh, is this what I'm signing up for? I mean, just right. like what you're saying, before there's a connection there, before there's feelings, mutual feelings, before there's fun, right? At least yeah. for me, like there needs to be fun established and playfulness established and hope established before it gets into the darkness. And as you're saying that, it's making me think too of, you know, I am more than these medical conditions. They Absolutely. are certainly a part yeah. of me but there's a lot more to me. So if I were to start with a a date and say, you know, Oh, here are all the things that are quote unquote wrong with me or that are um, more challenging. That isn't actually an honest representation of who I am. And so I love the the word that you used of fun of how can we um, not only make sure that that person that we're around and, and getting to know we feel comfortable with, but have we had some fun in addition to, you know, all of these things are components of our lives, but um, it's not all struggle. It's not all bad. It's not all challenge. It's not all grief, but it's a part of us. Right. There's certainly room for it. And I, yeah, just to, you know, highlight what you're saying, I think it requires a level of psychological safety, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's because I just date therapists or I was dating a lot during the pandemic of people don't seem to understand that. Like, I think there's just was a lot of like loneliness out there and a lot of like, mm-hmm. I need to find somebody. Um, so a lot of the dates I had early in the pandemic, and I'm dating someone now who I'm very happy with, but most of my dating career during the pandemic was just like people oversharing, mm-hmm. right. Or like trauma bonding or yes. quickly being like, you know, you and me, babe against the world. Like we're going to fight this disease or we're going to fight like the Republican party or whatever it was. And I was like, I don't even know you. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if you're like in the bunker, man, like, you know, like, that's a very privileged position, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You want someone um, that you really trust in that bunker. And you're right. I, I do think there was a lot of just let's um, connect quickly and, um, and lock it down. Right. And bond over something that may not actually be sustainable. You know, um, I don't want necessarily, there, there are a lot of things that I can connect with somebody about. It wouldn't, be problematic necessarily to, to be connecting over a chronic illness, but I want there to be a whole lot more than that. And so, um, yeah, it's not going to be helpful if that's the thing that we're fighting against the world together and there's not a whole lot else. Right. For sure. Yeah. That's just trauma bonding or mm-hmm. sets up like a codependent relationship or a caregiver relationship, right? It's something that, you know, at least in my experience, loses like a racism, quite frankly, mm-hmm. you know, pretty quickly because it becomes like a nurse patient rather than, you right. know, two adults. Right. Yeah. So, and, and I think we talked about this before too, but the last thing that I kind of want to highlight as we're um, talking about this is just making sure that if you are um, wa- finding yourself in a place of wanting to kind of fix or support somebody else to just maybe even check in if you're aware of it and just say, Hey, are you open to some ideas? Or I might have some ideas if you ever um, 
find yourself interested, just let me know and I can share some of these ideas. But just a um, similar, like you said, to that grief process of just asking someone where they're at and if they want to hear from you versus this, I've got all the answers, let me fix this for you and um, kind of, I don't know, it just doesn't feel good on my end when I'm in that space where someone's like, oh, I've got an easy fix for this chronic condition that your doctors don't know a whole lot about and you've been living with your whole life. I've known it for five minutes, but I can fix it. I've already cracked the cup. Yeah, I know. It's just like foolish. Um, Yeah. Well, so as we're wrapping up here, uh, can you share with our listeners how they can find you, how they can contact you um, if they want to learn more? Absolutely. I'm on the web at cdixoncounseling.com. So it's my first initial last name in counseling. And um, I'm based in Los Angeles and uh, I'm licensed in a few different states. But um, like I mentioned, also kind of running that group for single adults. Um, But yeah, that's for the most part where you can find me. I think that's awesome. I can't wait to check it and see how that dating group is going. Uh, My my bet is that they're all just going to date each other, which I guess is... Fine, right? I mean, I guess that they get there. <laughs> exactly the goal of the group. It's not a matchmaking group, but it's a, I think there's, there's not always a lot of, um, at least in our 30s, 40s and older, um, not a lot of single people necessarily to talk to about what it's like to be dating and what some of our challenges are. And I think my experience again is like, people are like, oh, I've got the solution for you. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I mean, I work with a lot of people that are transplants to Colorado and they realize they don't know how to make friends because mm-hmm. a lot of that we got through university or through school. And now it's like, oh, crap, how do I meet people? Right. Um, so maybe that'll be a topic for a future podcast. Um, as we're winding down here, if you're listening and you, you know, enjoying the episode, please share it on social media, send it to, you know, one or two people who uh, might enjoy it. Give it a a five-star review on iTunes. Any of those things really do help us um, get this project off the ground and share some of these voices. So thank you so much for listening. Christina, thank you so much for coming on the show. We'd love to have you back in a future episode. And thanks. I've had fun. Right. It's super fun. It's super fun. (laughs) Um, So yeah, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week on From the Ashes. Thank you for joining host Mark Azoulay on From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Meet Triumph and Defeat and treat those two imposters the same.